A patient comes in and wonders if there are any new medications that are coming out for antipsychotics because the original ones have a lot of serious side effects attached to it. He does say he's asking for a friend. What do you tell him? Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Rick U Podcast. For those of you just joining us, Jack, why don't you tell everyone what we're doing here at the Rick U. So the Rick U stands for the Research ICU and we're here to basically break down the latest medical articles and into 15 minutes or less on a podcast and we're going to give you the clinical pearls, the take home messages of what to, uh, what to understand from the article. And this is for students, providers, anyone that is needed to be up to date with the latest medical research. Beautiful. So today we're going to be uh, discussing an article from the field of psychiatry titled Muscarinic Cholinergic Receptor Agonist and Peripheral Antagonist for Schizophrenia. That is a mouthful, so uh, stay tuned for the article to understand what that title is even talking about. But it was printed in the New England Journal of Medicine, February 25th. 2021. So the article is primarily concerned with the antipsychotic drugs used for schizophrenia and the serious adverse effects such as the extrapyramidal symptoms, sedation, weight gain, metabolic disturbances, and hyperprolactinemia. By the way, do, do, do any of you guys remember the ADAPT mnemonic for remembering all these antipsychotic uh, side effects? Uh, I just mm. use sketchy. What's ADAPT? Adapt, acute dystonia, that's AD, A for akathisia, akathisia, like restlessness, and then P is for Parkinsonism, and T for tardive dyskinesia, adapt. This is your attending tip for the day? No, we're just getting started here. So the trial uh, wanted to determine or explore other uh, medication classes that could be used for schizophrenic patients. so some of the uh, statistics that they talk about in the beginning is 20 to 33% of schizophrenic patients do not even have a response to this conventional treatment, antipsychotics, and others have residual psychotic symptoms. Uh, many of the schizophrenic patients have poor functional status and poor quality of life, despite a lifelong treatment with these antipsychotic agents. We know that antipsychotics that are approved for schizophrenia work primarily by antagonizing the D2 dopamine receptors. There's evidence that suggests that muscarinic cholinergic system is also involved in the pathophysiology of schizophrenia. There was a trial, was it a phase one trial, Jack? So this is just a, yeah, this was a trial before, it was an exploratory trial, they call it. Okay, so this, this exploratory trial involved uh, some Alzheimer's patients and a small uh, group of schizophrenics using a cholinergic um, cholinergic medication uh, that actually led to greater decreases in some of the psychotic symptoms than a placebo did. Uh, there were some dose-dependent cholinergic adverse events of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, sweating, hypersalivation, you know, the dumbbells mnemonic for cholinergic toxicity. And that's why this, when we get into this article, there's going to be two cholinergic, a cholinergic and an anticholinergic medication that we're going to discuss to balance out the cholinergic side effects. So Daniel, why don't you get us into the medications? 
Sure. So the medication, so the very first one is Xenomaline. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's an oral muscarinic cholinergic receptor agonist. Um, and it basically has zero effect on the dopaminergic pathway, and it pre preferentially stimulates the M1 and M4 uh, muscarinic cholinergic receptors. And it has been implicated in treating schizophrenia, like Gabe said, mm -hmm. so pleasantly. And that's a nalamine with a Z or an X? It is with an X. Thank you. So, traspium chloride is the other medication that they wanted to add along together with xenomaline, and together those would work better than just one alone. Uh, traspium chloride is an oral pan-muscarinic receptor antagonist, so it basically blocks all of the uh, muscarinic receptors, M1 through M4, and whatever else they discovered since then, up to M, I guess, 20. Um, <laughs> it was approved in the U.S. to treat overactive bladder, and since it's a tertiary amine, that means that it's highly polar, and therefore it will not get into the CNS for those who love organic chemistry like Gabe does. So since it's not going into the CNS, you're going to have none of the associated adverse effects, um, such as the cholinergic effects of the sweating, um, diarrhea, lacrimation, urination. You're not going to have any of those things because you're only antagonizing in the periphery now because it's not going into the CNS. And basically your first drug, xenomaline, will only work in the CNS and nowhere else because it's being antagonized outside. So, Jack, could you please tell us the nitty-gritty? Yeah, sure. So, basically, this is a phase two trial. The phase uh, one trial was healthy volunteers, and they found that there was a uh, decrease in cholinergic adverse events by approximately 50% when the trospium was added to the xenalamine. So, the idea is that the xenalamine is the one that's treating schizophrenia. But xenalamine works both centrally and peripherally. So therefore, we have to try and block something peripherally. So they're giving the trospium to try and block the cholinergic effects in the periphery. So they found that it blocks it 50% lower. So they were like, okay, that's positive effects. So we're going to move forward to phase two trial. So this experiment is a double-blind phase two trial where they randomly assign patients with schizophrenia in a one-to-one -one ratio to receive twice daily xenalamine and trospium. Now the dosing schedule is flexible, starting off with 50 milligrams of xenalamine and 20 milligrams of trospium twice daily. And it can be increased to a maximum of 125 milligrams of xenalamine and 30 milligrams of trospium twice daily. Or they receive the placebo, and this was for five weeks. And so the primary endpoint that they're trying to find was a change from the baseline to week five in the total score of this new scale. So this scale is called the positive and negative syndrome scale. Pans, and this is a range from 30 to 210 and this scale contains 30 items including seven positive symptoms and seven negative symptoms of schizophrenia each is scored from one to seven and a higher score indicates a more severe symptom could i just point out how i love that it's from 30 to 210 like why can't they just like make the numbers like from one to a hundred I don't, I don't know why they scored from they 1 to like 7. I, 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 I like, like, I like 1 to 10, you know? 10, 1 to 7 is kind of subjective. Every test that we take. Psychiatrists do everything differently. Um, all right, so basically, they uh, that was a little bit of the method. So now what are some of the results? So a total of 182 patients were enrolled, 90 assigned to receive the xenalamine and trospium, and 92 to receive the placebo. 
And the PAM score at baseline was 97.7 in the treatment group and 96.6 in the placebo group. And so the result was that there was a change from baseline to week five of minus 17.4 points with the xenalamine and trospium group versus a minus 5.9 point difference with the placebo group. So it's about 17 points versus six points for the placebo. And what's the P, uh, the the p-value for that? So the p-value was uh, below 0.001. So it's statistically significant, and um, they found to pretty promising results showing that there's a decrease in the symptom severity of schizophrenia. And so uh, some of the common adverse effects were constipation, nausea, dry mouth, dyspepsia, and vomiting, which is what you could expect from anticholinergic medication, the balance between the cholinergic and the anticholinergics. Right. And so the incidence of somnolence, weight gain, restlessness, extrapernal side effects, which is like the bigger ones, were similar in both groups. So that did not have a problem. And so this shows some pretty promising results. And and it's a little balancing act between cholinergic in the CNS versus, you know, trying to antagonize it peripherally. And so they they moved around with the uh, dosages, as I, as I said before, and to try and find that perfect balance between the two. Yeah, this is a game changer for the field of psychiatry and treating schizophrenics uh, with antipsychotics because now using uh, this cholinergic anticholinergic uh, mix uh, instead of antipsychotics, I think is an absolute game changer. Now we just have to wait till the phase three trial comes out, which you'll have to stay tuned over here on the RICU to come in here whenever they decide to come out with it. Yeah, I have high hopes for phase three. My money's on phase three. So uh, in the end, they just uh, say that, you know, you need longer because this was only five weeks and you need some larger trials in order to really see the efficacy and the safety. And so, um, but these promising results. And so we have to stay tuned. So what would you say to the attending, Gabe? What's your attending okay, tip for so the day? Okay, so for attending tip for the day, uh, your your attending comes over to you and says, you know, I got this schizophrenic patient that I've been treating for a few years, um, and it's not getting, uh, he's not, the, the patient isn't improving so well, um, and I'm worried about the EPS symptoms, extrapyramidal symptoms, you know, the acute dystonia, the akathisia, uh, Parkinsonism, and the tardive dyskinesia. Uh, what other medications are there out there that we could possibly give in place of these antipsychotics, these these serious, uh, heavy duty medications? And you, being a podcast, a Ricky podcast listener, you're going to tell the attending, "Oh, there's actually um, research going on now for uh, cholinergics, uh, M1, M4." If you want to be really impressive, you say the M1M4 receptor agonists uh, that play a role in the pathophysiology of schizophrenia uh, and to offset the cholinergic side effects, it's mixed with an anticholinergic. And the names of those, Daniel, because I can't remember those names. I don't remember them either. It's zimalamine and traspium or something. Zimalamine and traspium chloride. It's a mouthful, but... I'm sure they're going to come out with a much fancier name after the phase three trial comes through and it's good. And the phase yeah. four trials. All right. Okay. Do you have any pondering questions today? I ponder way too much. So my question to you is as follows. Is it possible to have a strain of a virus that could evade a mask? Just like throughout the rest of our history, whenever we have a virus to fight, 
we try to fight it back and we win and then it comes back and it changes and then it beats us and then we change again so we have been washing hands let's say so some viruses now could evade washing hands or sanitization which says it's only 99.9 percent effective because so you want to know if covid could eventually become MRSA and mssa well MRSA, mass resistant (laughs) (laughs) very good uh but yeah basically could it ever like Evolved to an extent to avoid mass. So if you're talking about evolutionarily and survival of the fittest, then uh, anything is possible. Send us your uh, responses. Yes, and all of your complaints to Gabe. Thank you so much for listening. You could message us at any time at thericuteam at gmail.com or you could visit us on Facebook or Twitter at thericuteam. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you all next week.